This message is presented to you by Pastor James Moore and New Life Community Church in Kansas City, Missouri. For more information or to donate, please visit newlifekc.com. I am Pastor Jim Moore, and I want to welcome you to a very special day in the life of our church. Just a little over a month ago, on August, or excuse me, October 16th, at a special business meeting of our members, I announced that I had submitted my resignation as senior pastor to the Board of Elders to be effective on November 20th, today. And the board nominated Alex Moore to fill my position, and the members whose names are on this plaque, got a big plaque here, look at this, big plaque, and the members whose names are on this plaque unanimously voted to elect Alex. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more in a few minutes. But for you who are visiting today, thank you for helping me and all of us have a special occasion. Just by attending, it may especially. I especially want to acknowledge I have two beautiful daughters, and they're here today, who came for their brother. Story of my life. <laughs> so, I, I see Stephanie. Where, where's Michelle? She went to the restroom? <laughs> oh, it's no big deal because brother's not here, right? It's me talking, so. Um, well, I was going to have both of you stand. There's my daughter coming in the back door. There's, there's Michelle. <laughs> Stephanie, Stephanie, stand up so they can see who you are. There are my two beautiful daughters. Thank you. Also, my grandson Eric's here, and I appreciate Rick, Stephanie's husband, being here also. So, going to be a big day. Anyway, I'd like to begin with a story, a story of a nine-year-old boy named Jerry. And Jerry's father had been out of work for nearly four months. And although Jerry didn't know much of the details of the family finances, he did know that things were tight. And that's why when his friends started talking about a circus coming to town, the first question he asked was, well, how much will it cost? And one of his friends answered and said, it costs $10. Well, for the next few days, the coming circus, that was the main topic of every conversation at recess and at lunch. And then one day, one of Jerry's friends said he'd seen a poster down by the Walmart, the Walmart. So after school, like there's only one. So after school, they walked the long way home so they could see it, and the artwork promised some spectacular entertainment. Across the top of the poster, it said, an old-fashioned circus under the big top. Of course, he and his friends had seen every imaginable acrobat and animal act on television, but the thought of seeing it live and close up was just so thrilling. No one could remember anything like this happening in their little town. Anyway, that night after dinner, Little Jerry finally got up the courage to ask, Dad, have you heard about the circus that's coming to town? Yes, son, his father smiled. Well, well, Dad, do you think I can go when it comes? It's $10. I know that's a lot of money. I don't even have to work. And, and I tell you what, son, the father interrupted, for the next few days I'm going to be 
helping Joe Martin paint his house. And if you'll come over after school, give us a hand, I'm sure we can scrape up the $10. So the, for the next few afternoons, Jerry went straight from school to the Martin home. He scraped boards, he ran errands, he generally just helped out. But by the following Friday, man, the news of this circus was everywhere. There were announcements uh, everywhere you looked, even on the radio and on television. Sunday the paper they had back in those days had a large section devoted to the circus, and Jerry just read it over and over. And then finally, it was Friday evening, and Jerry's dad gave him the $10 bill. Well, Jerry, he could hardly sleep that night. He was up early on Saturday morning. He grabbed a quick breakfast and ran all the way to town, and he picked out a great spot on the curb in front of Crawford's shoe store. And he waited. By 10 o'clock, the sidewalks began to fill up. People were all around him, bumping against him, but he managed to keep his spot. Everyone was so excited. The atmosphere was just electric. And then in the distance, he heard it. Music and the roaring of the people. Soon the sounds grew louder. Jerry shouted when he saw the first clown. Man, he was on a tiny little motorcycle, driving around in circles, throwing candy to the people in the crowd. Right behind him came the elephants, and then there was the camels. There was cages of lions and tigers, and two jugglers, horses ridden by women in beautiful costumes, and a marching band. And then there was a float, had a fat lady on it and a tall thin man on it. They were followed by a dozen more clowns. It was great. The antics were so funny that Jerry laughed until tears were just rolling down his cheeks. He just stood there and took it all in. Sometimes he laughed. Sometimes he, he couldn't even speak. He'd never seen anything like it. And as the parade ended, Jerry stepped down from the curb, handed his $10 to the last clown. He turned happily around and walked toward home. And on the way home, he passed Mr. Martin's house. And there was his dad. Oh, he ran over to dad and began telling him in great detail about all the things he'd just seen. And when he finished telling his story, his dad smiled, went over and put his arm around Jerry. He said, son, you went to see the circus. All you saw was the parade. Now, I'd like to use this story to make several applications this morning. For example, every Sunday, people in our city and across the nation, you know, they show up in church. They show up here. They watch what goes on, and then they go home thinking they've seen the church. But they've only seen the parade. What many people fail to understand is the church is more than a Sunday service with music and singing and preaching. The church is also God's people going about day-to-day -day life using every opportunity to minister in Jesus' name. Incidentally, do you know what the word, words to minister means? It means to meet a need. Therefore, the church is like uh, mowing the grass in someone's yard because they now have a crippling disease that won't allow them to do it anymore. The church is taking the preschool son of a single parent to the park so he can run and play while mom rests so she can work the night shift to support her family. The church is visiting the proud parents of a new baby to rejoice with them and pray for that precious new life. 
The church is sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with someone who is depressed, looking for hope. The church is giving time and giving talent and giving treasure so that others can experience new life in Christ. The church is loving God, loving others, and loving ourselves. Listen, friends, don't be satisfied. Don't be satisfied just watching the parade. Join it. Follow the parade all the way to the circus. Don't be content with simply attending Sunday worship. God desires that you enjoy the full experience of God's church, which, by the way, is God's people loving, giving, and serving in Jesus' name. Okay, second application. This is about people who may not go to church at all. Are you aware that most people spend almost all their effort and energy trying to find the good life? I have a friend. This friend has spent his entire life trying to get ahead, trying to succeed, trying to have the good life. And he's done really well for himself, too. Successful business, millions of dollars in the bank, beautiful wife, luxurious home on prime real estate. He's got a yacht. He's got high-end automobiles, owns his own plane, extravagant gifts for himself and his loved ones, month-long vacations in exotic locations. What a life. But now he's old. His body's given out on him. He's fighting stage four cancer that spread throughout his body. He's confined to home or a wheelchair. His wife left him, divorced him. He has children who won't speak to him. Very, very sad. But saddest of all is he does not believe in God. He's only months from death. And as he reflects back over his life, as I've talked to him, you can imagine, many times, he thinks he's experienced the circus. But it was only the parade. And I urge you, don't be like my friend who settled for the temporary happiness of this earthly life rather than putting his faith and trust in Jesus Christ. See, the sad truth is, unless my friend puts his faith and trust in Christ, he's going to spend eternity in torment, separated from the very one who created him and loves him. Just remember, we don't go to heaven because God loves us, because God loves everybody. No, we go to heaven because we love God, and we prove it by letting him direct our lives. Okay, finally, let's apply the parade circus analogy to today. Let's apply it to this local body of believers. Now, I know all of you are not part of our congregation, our membership, and I, like I say, I appreciate you being here, but... For us, the parade for us at New Life Community Church began 
1989. And we've seen amazing things in our parade. Things like the miraculous provision of property and facilities at this location in 1993. If you heard the story, you wouldn't hardly believe it. And then 10 years in a row, we had standing room only at three annual performances of our bigger-than-life Easter production. Plus, man, we had concerts, numerous concerts with musical guests like Brian Duncan and Nancy Honeytree and Steve Archer and Bob Carlisle and Sherry Keggy and Jesse Dixon and others. We had things like church bowling leagues and softball teams, New Year's Eve outreach celebrations, Super Bowl parties, men's chili competitions, 33 church picnics. Things like a $1.2 million expansion of our facility in 2010 and hosting missionary guests from literally all over the world. We've had dozens of water baptisms and seen hundreds of salvations. We've heard literally thousands of sermons in this room. Yes, it has been an amazing parade. But the parade has ended. The parade is now in the past. And the thing about the past is it no longer exists. We can't go back. Time machines aren't real, John. <laughs> we, the only place you can live is in the present and look toward and prepare for the future. As God says in Isaiah 43, he said, do not think about the things of the past. Wow. He said, see, I will do a new thing. It will begin happening when? Now. Today. In the present. Now today is my final Sunday to serve as a senior pastor of New Life Community Church. Before this service is over, Pastor Alex will be installed as the lead pastor. Now I'm pretty sure most of you figured he would one day be my replacement. But you probably thought it would be when I died. <laughs> or when I retired. You know I don't quit. So I'm sure some of you are curious as to why it's happening now when I'm still very much alive and kicking. Well, there are several reasons, and here's one of them. If our church is to thrive and not merely survive, we need more young people. When I started this church, I was young people. <laughs> people came, they were young people. They looked like me, they liked me, we identified with each other. Some of you are still here, and no, you're not young people anymore. So. We need to attract young adults. We need to attract families with children and teens. And the simple truth is this, in case you didn't know, young people prefer to go to church with young people. It's the truth. They want to be with people like themselves. 
I don't blame them, do you? And when a young person sees a church with a 73-year-old pastor, they don't see someone like themselves. Therefore, if we expect to reach young people, here's what has to happen. Our church, and especially our pastor, needs a facelift. I'm saying that if I could find a plastic surgeon <laughs> who could make me look, you know, 20, 20 or maybe even 30 years younger, <laughs> problem is, here's the problem, listen, because I, I would, I'd do that, you know. <laughs> uh, the problem is, even if I could find such a miracle working doctor, even if I could somehow actually look younger, you know what? I would still have the same worldview. I would have the same cultural bias. I would have the same energy level I have now. And there's no amount of plastic surgery that can give that to me. And another reason for this change is vision. I have fulfilled the vision God gave me for our church. The vision God has given me for our church. You know how I know that I've fulfilled it? Because I can't see anything else. I, I can't see anything new for the future. I could still pastor this church. I told you I was alive and kicking. I could do this. I could do this for another 10 years, I bet, maybe 15. My mom's 103. I could live a long time. But the thing is, it would just be more of the same. And as Penny Sorensen so well put it to my son Alex, she said, you know, Pastor Alex, we love your dad. We would follow your dad to the grave. She said, so I'm so glad, she told us, that you're doing this because I didn't want to go to the grave. <laughs> and that's, that's your loyalty that you have to me, and I appreciate it. But th she's right. So in response, God, everybody say God. God in his infinite wisdom and grace has provided the solution. He has blessed us with a young gifted, charismatic, and godly man to take my place as lead pastor. This particular person has attended this church since it began. And he spent the last 18 years serving this congregation as the full-time associate pastor. And he's bursting with fresh ideas and has a clear vision for the future. And besides that, he even looks a little bit like me. <laughs> I mean, it gets better all the time, doesn't it? <laughs> Incidentally, along with a new pastor, we're also being blessed with a new pastor's wife. Missy is a multi-talented, gifted ministry partner. And I think the ideal compliment to her husband. 
I don't have time this morning, but if I did, I could tell you how the thing that first attracted Alex to Missy was her passion for the Lord. If I had time, I could tell you about the call to ministry that, ministry, that Missy had, even before they were engaged, and how she earned her Bachelor of Arts in Pastoral Ministry from a Bible college. Now, I don't have time to tell you all that. <laughs> but what I will say is, Missy is literally an answer to prayer. For you see, when Alex was around 10 years old, his mother began praying regularly for his future wife. Now, Debbie didn't know who his wife was going to be, but she figured she was probably already alive. So she earnestly prayed <laughs> for God to prepare this unknown person to be the ideal mate for her son, Alex. And we believe, we believe God answered that prayer. What a blessing has been to see Missy prove over and over again that she is, in fact, the one Debbie prayed for even before she knew who Missy was. Also, years earlier, when Debbie was pregnant with Alex, in addition to us praying for him daily, I also read scripture to him when she was carrying him. I knew his brain wasn't fully formed, but I also know from Scripture that his spirit was fully alive and was being nourished by the Word of God being spoken to him while he was in the womb. Our prayer was that our child would have a heart for God, a hatred of sin, a love for God's Word, and a willingness to serve. We prayed he would be able to discern evil and be delivered from temptation. We never prayed that he would be a pastor, never prayed he would be a minister or any kind of a church leader. Only that he would grow up to be a godly man no matter what he chose to do in life. And you know what? God answered that prayer too. Now, was Alex a perfect child? No. Did he require discipline? Yes. Were there times when he disappointed his mom and dad? Absolutely. For example, <laughs> here is the one and only photo taken, can you put that up there, at our first church. This is our first, our first church service held in the basement of the bank in 1989. And you can see people you might know. There, there's, there's Becky Wood right there and, and her brother and her mom and dad. And, and there's Gwen Trader. There's uh, David and, and uh, Sherry. Sherry's my sister, and she's here today. Yeah, she's my sister. And my mom. See my mom right in the middle? And Nancy and Ed back there in the back. And then the, on the floor we got Ed and Nancy's children, Tabitha and Natalie and And there's little Alex. Can we, can we get a close-up on that? <laughs> What's he doing? We have one shot at this historical picture, 
and with some kind of an ugly attitude on his face. Look at this. Just ruining the whole thing. Everybody else looks pleasant. But we loved him anyway. I can still remember how excited I was when I got home from work one day back in early 1986. And my wife told me that our son Alex had taken his first step. And then over the next month, there were daily reports. Honey, he took two steps. Or today he walked from the coffee table to the TV. We were certain he was a child prodigy. I mean, he wasn't even a year old. and He'd actually taken four steps at once. Oh, man. But you know what little Alex did even more than walking? He fell. Way, he, oh, he'd walk a little, but mostly he fell. He'd take a step, do a little balancing act, and then boom, down he'd go. Oh, sometimes he'd catch himself, but mostly he fell. And I'm happy to report that today, I mean, he did eventually master walking. <laughs> And then running. And today, he can actually run several miles all by himself. <laughs> he learned how from his failures. And he never quit. And that's a lesson for all of us. Whether it's learning to walk or learning to live the Christian life, we may fall. But if we continue to get back up, we make it. God's never finished with anyone who repents. So don't quit. Don't quit. Don't think it's too late. Don't quit. Do you remember how you lost your balance and fell when you were learning to ride your bicycle? <laughs> yeah, we, we all, yeah, thank you. Yeah, we all did. Got a kid over here getting right on the program here. But you know what? Sooner or later, if we kept at it, we could ride all the way around the block without falling. Do you remember learning how to hit a baseball? Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Do you remember... Uh, Learning to dribble and shoot a basketball. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Figured. I'll never forget my dad teaching me how to swim. He put me in a boat, rode out in the middle of a big lake. He said, son, if you want to get back to shore, it's up to you. And with that, he threw me in the water. Well, I'm happy to report <laughs> I did make it back to shore. I mean, it really wasn't that hard once I got out of that sack. <laughs> but, <laughs> we're <t> but we're talking about our future lead pastor today. So I want to mention something remarkable about him, in all seriousness, that you may have heard me say before, but I don't think there's anything more impressive to me. As far as I know, Alex has never lied to me. That's downright weird. <laughs> no, it is. I mean, what, what kid do you know that hasn't done that? Wasn't me. I mean, Alex, even as a small child, he would confess to things his mother and I would never have found out. Even at 16, when he was involved in the infamous and foolish water soaker incident in the church parking lot that resulted in damage to the car of an elderly couple in our congregation. You'll have to ask him to tell the whole story. Even knowing how disappointed I would be at his foolishness, Alex immediately found me and confessed to what he'd done. No excuses, no shifting the blame, 
He owned it. And he paid for the damage. And what I'm saying is this, even from a young age, our new lead pastor demonstrated integrity and a heart for righteousness. And as it says in the Bible about Mother Mary, his, Debbie and I took all these things and treasured them in our hearts. So is today special to my wife and I? Absolutely. And it should be special to all of you who call New Life your church home. See, today we are gathered here to unite a new pastor and a church body. It's kind of like uniting a husband and wife. And my role in this particular situation is kind of unique. As Alex's father and mentor, I've had the responsibility of preparing him to be a shepherd worthy of leading and caring for this local church. And as your pastor, church members, <laughs> I've had the responsibility of preparing you to be his bride. And just like when, in a wedding, when the father walks the bride down the aisle, why? Walk him down to give her to the husband. He's saying by walking down there, I have cared for her all her life. And this church, I cared for all of this church's life. Kind of like when we have kids, you know, we all know that our children are God's kids, right? You know they're not your kids. They're not your kids. They're his kids. He, let, he, he created every one of them. He ran them through your body, ladies, so you can have the baby. And so he, and he, and he lets us call them our kids. Like, they're my, look at my, my son or my daughter or my, my kids. And that's cool. That's fun. And it's great. I'm glad he gets to do that. It's a wonderful thing. But I'll tell you what, this church is God's church. But it was birthed through me. And so, yeah, this church means something to me. I've helped raise the church, grow the church, teach the church, help prepare the bride. So when I come down the aisle with the bride, I can say, here, to the waiting groom there. Here, I'm trusting you now to take care. I, I, God entrusted this to me. I'm entrusting it to you. And at that moment in your wedding, by the way, if you didn't know this in your own life, it's true. The responsibility for the bride and the responsibility for the groom is no longer on the parents. When that father hands the bride off, he's saying to the groom, the husband-to-be, now you are responsible for her, for caring for her, feeding her, expanding her world, making her all that. She, and you know what's funny? The kids, they're going down to get married. The, the girls coming down to get They're not, there's nothing. They're not depressed or discouraged about anything. They're not sad at all. They're glad to leave mom and dad and... <laughs> Get over here and get, get together with this, this other person and start a new family, a new life, a new adventure. That's what's happening today. Now, what happens to mom and dad? <laughs> well, they're still, they're, they're still in the picture. They're still a chain of counsel. And the, the daughter, the son can go to mom and dad and still get advice and talk to them. But when it comes down to who's responsible, no. You send them back 
<laughs> to the new husband. Sorry, sweetheart. <laughs> You're a daughter second, a wife first. And church, that's what I'm saying for you. So let's, let's to make this a little more official, I, I should do this. Let's some scripture here. I want to read, us to read first God's leadership qualifications from the book of 1 Timothy for the pastor. Okay? You want to read this with me? That'd be fun. Let's go. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. Church, I submit that Alexander James Moore meets these qualifications. And his assignment, let me read that to you. It's found in Ephesians 4. It says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Why? To equip his people for works of service. Why? So that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity of, in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Alex, that's your assignment, son. Now let's read about the responsibilities of the bride, the body of Christ, this local church body, to the pastor. Okay? Let's read this together, too, since we've read the other one. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard among you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not with sorrow. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith and live peacefully with each other. Let us love one another, for love comes from God. Share each other's burdens, and in this way obey the law of Christ. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be ready to practice hospitality. Pastor Alex, I submit that the membership of New Life Community Church reflects these characteristics. Will you join me on the platform? I love you, son. And I proud of the man you've become. Your 
I admire you as a husband and a father. I uh, am impressed and bewildered by the favor that you have with everyone you meet everywhere. As you come on staff and become an associate with me, you've made my ministry more productive, more effective, and you've helped me. You've given credence to what I've done. By being the son you are, it makes people think highly of me because I had a son like you. Um, and, and now I want to uh, I want to impart to you my anointing that I've had as a leader, as a pastor and impart to you the mantle of leadership and uh, not only do I love you and appreciate you I willingly and gladly submit to you as my pastor As founder and pastor of New Life Community Church, it is now my distinct privilege and honor to introduce to you my successor and our new lead pastor, Alexander James Moore. Thank you for listening to this message. For more information, please visit newlifekc.com.